Hello and welcome to Open All Arts QPR podcast. I'm David Fraser. There are five of us on what is inevitably a Zoom call podcast, as you are now used to. So I'll do the introductions. Joining me are two of the regulars. One is Paul Finney. Hello, Paul. All right, how you doing? I've just realised I'm on the wrong flipping Zoom. I'm on QPR podcast, not me on. And uh, your, your, your name is coming up as QPR podcast, but... What I will say is people who are listening to this on Spotify or whatever won't know that and won't care about that. But you're very welcome nevertheless. And it just looked like you were cleaning some sort of pink knickers or something like that. Something like that. But, but um, oh, there you go. Uh, and also welcome Chris Charles. Oh, yeah. How are you, Chris? All right. I'm, in my, I'm, I'm like Alan Partridge at the minute. I'm, I'm constantly in a hotel. The last two weeks um, there is oh. i'm sure there's a tale behind that but we'll, we'll come on to that later we've also got joining us phil crossman how are you phil hi very well thank you good evening evening and very pleased to say that joining us um is um ex-qpr midfielder richard langley hi richard hi david okay yeah i'm okay are you okay because it sounds like a bit of a Dodgy internet connection there, but you, you, you're. Can you hear me? Yes, 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 we can, we can. Thank you very much for joining us, Richard. We, um, we know, like many of us, you've got some sort of childcare waiting for you downstairs that you have to attend to. So I think we're all agreed we'll make this last a good hour and a half, two hours, shall we? Um, no, I'm kidding. Um, let me just thank the sponsors and so on, and then we'll jump straight into it. So uh, Patrick Loftus has bought the beers. Thank you very much. And we don't have a sponsor today, but we're giving a shout out to Freddie Chill. So hello, Freddie. Thank you to all who have supported the podcast. Uh, let's jump straight into it, Richard. You haven't joined us for maybe a year or so or something like that, but really good to have you on. Um, what's your take with... Um, uh, QPR, where we find ourselves. I don't know how closely you've been following um, the club, but what's your take on where we are currently? Well, I always keep uh, an eye on the results and see how we're doing, you know, from week to week. Might go the odd, uh, odd maybe, it might go a couple of weeks sometimes without me actually seeing the score. But recently, obviously, um, we've been in a great run of form. Um, and probably since the last time we spoke, it's gone how I probably would have planned or envisaged it, I suppose. Um, we've, we've managed to replace the goals, I suppose, in Ebbs and uh, Bright, who left last year, brought some, some good signings, we have to, have to say, and everyone seemed to come in and hit the, hit the ground running. Um, so to be sitting pretty, where, 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 we're 10th now, right? Tenth could, could go as high as maybe eighth before the end of the season, but but should probably should finish somewhere around there. I would have thought, yeah. Well, it's been a great end, I suppose, to the season. Um, I know I saw one of these stats since January, really, like second or third in form, and not just that, we've been getting the results, but we've been playing a, a great brand of football, and I think this is what patience has the patience that we all have had, I suppose. As man has led to us reaping the rewards, I suppose, you know. Um, you know, Warbs has got them playing very well. They all seem to know what they're doing. There seems to be a great team spirit. Uh, the amount of away games we've won. Um, and I think it's been a very successful season, considering we lost two of our best players uh, last year. You were, you were always the guy for like 20 years who was that that yeah, it was basically you and, and Nigel Quasi who were the two that had come through the ranks and ended up playing and ended up having strong careers. And it was completely it was completely bare when trying to look at anybody else that had graduated from uh, through the ranks at Rangers. But then it's kind of all changed the last couple of years. I know not all of them have been sort of true youngsters coming up through academies, but there's been a whole roll call. Of, of names that have sort of progressed through the youth teams and the under-23s and really established themselves in the first teams. Vera Eze, you mentioned, 
Joe Lumley, of course, Ilias Chair can be in that bracket, and, and the two fullbacks, of course, as well. That must. How does it feel to not be that, not have that weight on your shoulders anymore? Um, do you know what? I only found out about that, or it was only brought to my attention when Les did an article about five, maybe six, six years ago, saying that I was the last one to come through. And since then, I've seen nothing but positivity coming through the academy. You know, they started off with a vision of how they wanted to play and didn't necessarily have the players. And you know what it's like for QPR in that catchment area. You're losing players to everyone. You know, we were even losing players to Brentford at one stage, and that was unheard of, like, in my time growing up. Um, so, huge shout-out to all the academy guys, I suppose, from Paul Furlong, Andy Inby there, Paul Hall. Paul Hall, I think, has been instrumental with the youngsters there. So, you need to really take your cap off to these guys, because it's one thing bringing through good, talented players to have a bit part appearance. But it's another thing bringing talented young players through who are ready, ready to fight for a spot. They're fighting for a spot each and every game. Ilias Chair is like a young kid, but he's, he's like one of the most experienced ones you look at now. It's like when we're under the cosh, he's the one you need to give the ball to. And we haven't really had that. I suppose those positions over the last 10 years have been filled with a lot of, I'd say, a different type of player. I feel like we've, we've lacked that creativity, you know, that je ne sais quoi or whatever Henri would say, you know. He's got Ilias Chair, he's, um, he's been magical in there. Um, Willock's done well. We've brought, we bought well. Rob Dickey, I think, was another fantastic signing. Um, I'd say one of the best ball-playing centre-halves outside of the Premier League at the minute. And he's taken to the Championship like a duck. really got to step back to where we were and just look at where we were a few years ago with everyone you know getting on the back of legs and the the vision and where we're going and I think now we almost have to like you know just bow our head a little bit and just you know give a bit of respect to to what the team have produced. Who, who do you think's the um, best loan signing we bought in or best signing we bought in in January because I think, as you mentioned, the brand of football, and that's all, that's always been there, although I thought we were guilty of overpassing at times, but um, we were sort of lacking the goals. And I, I guess, for me anyway, Charlie Austin was the initial catalyst. He started burying the chances, and with that, the form saw a real, a, a real upturn. Yeah, yeah. Well, I know Charlie came in, and he, he grabbed a couple of goals in his first couple of games, didn't he? So he started off well, but I think... What I've seen is his experience off the pitch predominantly. You know, I can imagine what he's like in the changing room. He's a big, big character at QPR. QPR legend, got to the Premier League with QPR. So I can imagine that positivity rubbing off on everyone around him. And the biggest relationship changer I saw was with him and um, Dykes up front. Dykes looked like he couldn't buy a goal, looked like he didn't want to be on the pitch. You know, and I've been in those in those um, positions sometimes when you're you, when you're being played, and it's like you know you've got no form at all. You know, and I think Dykes went through that, and I'm just so happy to see him come out the other side. Um, but yeah, I'm sure Charlie Austin's really helped in that. Um, I mean, obviously the um, you know Austin sort of stated you know that that he he would sign for QPR. But the big stumbling block is obviously he's on a big old wedge at West Brom, um, which I presume they're paying some of. Do is it? Do you think you know it's worth paying out to get him and giving him the wages, or is that going to disrupt the dressing room? It's sort of. It's sort of. I, I keep thinking this. It's sort of like six and two threes. You know, it's um, it's obviously not at the moment because he's on loan. But if he becomes a full time player, then surely everyone's going to realise he's on a bigger a bigger wedge than they are. Um, yeah, I, I understand where you're coming from. But for some reason, I don't think QPR will go back down that route where they start overpaying. You saw they didn't do it last year with Bright. They wouldn't be held to ransom. Even when, logically, it could have looked like it, the, the, better, the better option to give him a half-decent package, weigh him in and then sell him. That's what a lot of people are saying. Um, but I can't see them... I can't see them, uh, you know, 
falling to any demands, I suppose, for want of a better term, um, of Charlie Austin's wages. And I don't think it's the right. I don't think it's the right thing to do. I think he served a purpose, but I think next year you've got to be looking at Dykes to come and hold his own without, you know, that support. Um, and if we are going to bring in players, they have to be players in line with the movement that we've got going on at the moment because it's youthful, youthful. Um, you know, it's ambitious. It's got skill. It's got pace. It's got everything. And for me, people might shoot me down here, but I think if we add a few good players in the summer, we I would like to see us challenging for the playoffs at least. But then the, the flip side of that is obviously we'd miss his goals. But as you said earlier, he brings that now that know-how into the dressing room, gives everyone the lift. So you'd sort of be you'd be taking that out away again. So who steps up to do that? Oh, that's going to be up to the boys, but I see the characters forming. And, you know, it's just something like this will give, just from my experience, it will give the younger ones the, the, the now, so the know-how, I suppose, of how to behave as a pro, how to conduct themselves on the everyday, um, on, on the everyday level. Um, that, that's probably one of the most important things, but I think Warbs has got to really look at his... his more experienced players this year, like the Rob Dickies, for example, to come through, like the Ilias Chairs. You know, these are the guys, they're the future. And I think I would prefer to see the future playing as opposed to, you know, if you're going to bring Charlie in, bring him in as, I don't know, when he retires and get him in, in training with the youngs or the first team uh, and, and be a source of motivation and inspiration that way. But I think his, his better days, with all due respect, are behind him. Um, and I think the youngsters that we've got coming through now, coupled with some good signings in the summer, will mean good things and positive things for next season. Uh, I, I've got a question, Richard, which which I'm going to ask the guys a bit later in the podcast, which is not a very nice one. No one's going to thank me for asking it. But QPR being what QPR are these days, necessity means that someone gets sold this summer that if we have a player that we can make a profit on there will be someone sold and clearly last year was Eze and I think it was the year directly before was Luke Freeman who do you think who do you think might be uh, uh, the, the player that's that's sold and if that is the necessity who do you think would kind of do the least damage to the team if you see what I mean if you were to sell someone I don't think they've done quite enough, in my opinion. I don't think they've done quite enough to get their move now. I think players like Rob Dickey, like I've mentioned, Ilias Chair, if they go, it's going to be a, a huge void to fill. Um, just Ilias for his pure arrogance on the pitch. He's, you know, he's, he's so competent um, and confident in possession. And these are the players you, you don't find too many of these um, so I think it'd be great to keep hold of him and for him to maybe go and really prove something with us next year. Um, same with Rob Dickey. I think that would be the ideal the ideal plan. Um, what about the goalkeeper? Dieng, he's, um, he's been fantastic. Are there rumours going around that he could go? Well, I, I, and I don't know if there are rumours around the sort of QPR fan base that aren't really rumours, if you see what I mean. But I, I'm just sort of thinking that if this is something we have to do, who the who the assets are, and his his star has risen considerably in the last year, well, hasn't it? Thing, and it's quite unusual for young players coming into a first team spot. But again, you know, testament to everyone involved at QPR with the academy. These players are coming in, and almost we're talking about them like they're the backbone, and they've come yeah. in two of our best players. But our youngsters are now the backbone, and. You know, I think we're going to phase out. Oh God, my memory's gone. The guy from Stoke, the midfielder, Cameron. Cameron. So players like this, like way over the hill, but you know they're coming in there with the right mentality. And I can see that's probably rubbing off and reflecting on these youngsters now who are going to be the spine. But you can have a youthful spine, and for me, that's only positive. Very good. Um... Do you um what I was gonna what the thing that's jumping out at me from this interview, Richard, which happens from time to time, is you're always you're talking with a lot of we. You're describing QPR as as we, which 
which happens with a lot of the people that we have on. Um, but um, well, it's a two-part question, really. Are you a, were you a QPR fan anywhere? I know you grew up not far from the ground. Are you a QPR fan? Or do you just say we to all your ex-clubs podcasts? No, no. I think QPR is the only podcast I've come on. I haven't been on the, any of the other podcasts. But, you know, I started off at QPR when I was 12. And then all of a sudden you have that affinity to, to the club. You know everyone. I still know everyone that's worked there for the last 25 years. So it is a huge part of me. So, yeah, I do. You know, I've done it forever. It just seems normal. But I also feel it as well. Maybe I feel it like a fan. I'm not. Let me take that back. I, I'm passionate about the club. So when I see the club not doing well, you know, I want things to improve. Um, I'm not unrealistic. I knew the position we've been in for the last five, six years. You know, we've been struggling to overcome so many self-inflicted, you know, um, mistakes uh, that we as a club have made over the last maybe even 10 years. Um, so I think to get to a point where we are now, where we are relatively stable, we've got a fantastic style of play, which has enabled us to take two players out, two of our best performing players, and bring in new recruits. And that's hard. That is really hard. And if you haven't got a, a, um, an identity, a clear identity, it's difficult to just bring players in uh, and to fit in. So... Um, again, well done, Mark Warburton, and well done, Paul Hall, uh, and all the guys involved. I mean, it's it's remarkable, really, the, the point that you made, and I haven't really thought about it before. But we sold our best player by some way in the summer, leaving a massive hole, and we will finish higher and with more points than we did in his last season with us. It's yeah. um, it feels like I take it you feel the club is definitely on the right track then. Yeah, I um, I, I, do you remember last season, the back end of last season, the lads who we sold, I felt they almost took their foot off the gas with the last maybe two months to go. They'd done their bit. There's a whole load of rumours going around them potentially getting a move. And it's like they, everyone kind of down, down tools, um, towards the end. Um, but you can see we've almost picked up. It's been the opposite, quite the opposite since January. We've really picked up our performance. Um, and I just think it's worked in favour having those lads come in who gradually brought Ilias Chair in alongside them last year, like Eze and Bright I'm talking about. You know, having the... Ilias would have grown so much with his confidence seeing mm. Bright and Eze doing what they did the championship. You know, and he, they've left, left a void for him and he's filled it quite, quite gladly. Um, he... <laughs> I'm just trying to think who else has, has, has really stepped up. But, you know, um, it's, it's been a, a great season for him and some others around him. I'm thinking Willock's come in and done very well. Um, uh, and there's some exciting uh, talent coming through, especially, I don't know if you heard of Amrit in the under-23s. That's the one I've got my eye on. Um, but, yeah, as I said, to have developed this identity, it's... Um, it's just fantastic for the club. And I think we're entering perhaps the most exciting period in time for QPR in a long time. In terms of longevity, you know, we, we've had the sides that have been bought over a couple of years and huge cash injected and the players actually gaining promotion, you know, with their, you know, because we are paying over the odds. But I really do believe now we've got something that could last uh, a, couple of, a couple of seasons at least. Very good. Uh, Richard, we, we're, we're going to let you go. Uh, what are you up to? Remind us what you're up to these days. I think last time you were on, you were doing some scouting. Is that right? I, I was working uh, as an agent. So I'm looking after about eight young lads. So um, it's pretty much having conversations like this all the time, talking about football, trying to make sure they're learning from my mistakes, I suppose, and the mistakes I saw from players made around me. Um, what was what was your biggest mistake in your professional career then? I don't think I made, I didn't make any huge mistakes. I saw, you know, it was different. When I played, we went out a lot. You know, we used to go out two, three times, 
twice, two, three times, maybe a week. Um, but everyone was doing it. So now you speak to the youngsters and you might have the odd one that wants to go out for, you know, he's a footballer and now he wants to go out with the lads and be, you know, but you have to tell them none of the players do that anymore. You know, so you have to adapt with the times. Um, I think I achieved as much as I, I, I could have achieved with considering the injuries that I, I went through. If my knees were okay, then I would have really hoped I would have strived for the Premier League. But um, yeah, I think I, I worked hard. I was, a, I was a good player and I made myself into a better player. Um, and that's all I can ask for to make the most out of your career. You know, don't look back and think you could have done more. You could have been, you know, you could have practiced a bit more because it's all of these things that are given to you for free, which is just your mindset, your mentality, your application. Um, and that's what stands in the way from being, you know, a pro for a year or having a sustained career. Um, I was going to say, I know you're going, but Paul and Phil, I'm sure that they want to jump in here because they haven't asked a question. Can we give you, give you another five, ten minutes? Is that all right, yeah. Richard? I think that was a yes. Couldn't hear you there, but yeah. It's not often I don't get a word in. Um, That's I'm just what we were that. aiming for. Yeah, well, whatever. Um, thank you. But you say regrets. Did you regret moving to Cardiff? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so, I need to tell this story at least once a year because I think it just it starts to fade. But I had no intention of moving to Cardiff. I had no intention of leaving. And as you know, at the time, they felt like bitter rivals. Mm. Yeah. So, so for those who can't quite remember or are not old enough, you were at QPR in 2003 and we lost to Cardiff in the playoff final. And if my memory serves correctly, that summer you joined Cardiff. So exactly. it, was, yeah, it wasn't the best uh, relationship between the, the reason, sets of the fans and the clubs. To be fair, Richard, the reason why I asked that is I always felt that was a case. I always felt that you didn't actually want to go. It was kind of like we didn't go up. We had to bring some money in. And you were kind of a sacrificial lamb in that failure to go up. Did you think that at the time as well? Um, um, yeah, I have to say, I, I, I had been offered a new contract, I remember at the time, by Ollie, And he was like, listen, we're going to have to cut your wages, but here's a new contract. We want you to sign another two or three years. You know, and I had just come into a good bit of form. So... Um, I didn't, I don't think I signed that. And I was holding out to maybe to sign a new one or to be offered a new one. I still had a couple of years left on my deal, I'm sure. Um, and then I was moving into a flat in London and I never forget, I was in the Abbey National um, and I get a call from Ollie and he's like, Rich, um, we've just had a call from Cardiff. They've made a bid, we've accepted. They can offer you a hell of a lot more than we can. So it's in your best interest to get down there and speak to them. And I was like, okay, you know, um, is that it? Um, I remember dry, driving down the M4 in tears, you know, because that team, that bond that we had those two years um, with every single player, you know, I wasn't great mates with every single player, but I had like absolute respect for every single player in that squad. And we worked our nuts off together. And I think that's what brought us together. Ollie kind of, he was great at that. You know, we, we won, we lost together, but... We worked hard as a unit together. No one, it got to a stage where Ollie didn't even really need to manage us that much in terms of our effort and what we would put in because we'd be calling each other out in training sessions because we wanted to achieve something, you know. Um, so that was really hard. And I'll tell you what was hard, just to go off track a tiny bit, listening to Clark Carlisle, I heard him on a podcast, is it Under the Cosh or something like that? Um, and him just opening up on the things that he was going through at the time, you know, and Clark, God, it, it really made me pause. And I was like, wow, Clark was like a leader, a real leader there. You wouldn't have thought, I know he had his a couple of demons, but you wouldn't have thought that all of this was going on in his head. But, you know, we all stood there. I'm still in touch with Clark. I'm mates with him. Um, but yeah, that time was, it was really special. And then to have to go to Cardiff, really, you know, without having a say in it, it wasn't what I wanted and it wasn't how I planned to ever leave. Well, I'll tell you one thing, Richard. Thank you for setting the record straight in that because I'm sure you get asked it all the time and I think that's probably the last time we'll ask you. But see, Richard Langley, I'd like to remember is um, a certain match at Blackpool away. Do you remember that one? I do. I do. 
That was, was some performance. Trick. This was the hat trick. And, and to be fair, if you were scouted to the Premier League in that game, you would have been probably fast-tracked. Because that was probably, I would say, one of your best performances in a Rangers shirt. It just, everything you touched that day, just, you crumbled Blackpool. It was an amazing performance. It must be one of your favourite ones for Rangers, surely. Yeah, it was, um, it was that year, that season, I think I just got picked for Jamaica the year before. Um, and that kind of upped my level a lot, just going to train and play with um, these guys that gone on and got picked for international duty playing against other big international teams all of a sudden I felt like my standard was improving um and that year I was like constantly you couldn't get me off the training pitch I was on it constantly trying to improve working on everything from being in the gym to being out I'd be the last one on the training pitch like regularly um so yeah that coincided that was nice because it was like I could feel the hard work was paying off you know, when you saw performances like that, you know, it's like three chances, three goals. Um, but I was playing probably the best football of my career at the time. And it was just disappointing to end it, I suppose, going to, was it Oldham and getting sent off in the semi-final? Because leading up to that, I remember I, did, I just had to hang my head. I think it was a week after that, I found out it was just maybe two days before the playoff final. We were training at Loftus Road and we were doing the, the 11 v 11. So they were practicing for the final. And I was on the reserve team, obviously, and I was playing against the lad from um, Tottenham, the right back, Stephen uh, Kelly. Stephen Kelly, do you remember him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was playing yeah, against well. the reserves and um, I remember well, Kenny was starting the ball and we were having, trying to break down the first team. And normally you don't really break down the first team. And I've first touch, I've got it. I've knocked it past Stephen. Roasted him, cutting inside. They've gone, stop, stop, stop. You know, trying to give them a chance not to be broken down. Then they've given it, given it to me again. I've cut inside and I've smacked it past Chris Day from about 35 yards. And it's just like hit the crossbar, like off the bar, ground, hit the net. It's like one of those... And I just thought, oh, fuck, you know, what a waste. What a waste. I'm going to be sitting out of this championship, of, you know, potential to get promoted to the championship um, over something, over two silly yellows, you know, so, and I was on top form. Like everything I hit was hitting was going, was going in, you know, so that was a really low point. Um. Phil, did you? I think you were going to come in with something, weren't you? Yeah, I just have one question, and, and forgive me if this is too specific, Rich. But just, I was just just interested in your points about you know Charlie Austin potentially moving on. Just thinking, Lyndon Dykes coming out of himself and really flourishing. What's the, who do you think? What's the sort of player do you think that that Lyndon would play off the best? Do you um, do you have any thoughts on that? I'm sorry, Phil. I'm going to kill you this one. I haven't seen Dykes play too much, you know. I've only seen him a handful of times and it was at the start when he was really struggling for form and I almost felt sorry for him. I really, really did feel sorry for him. So to see him bag a few goals um, and see the lad so happy for him, that was a really good sign. But I can't give you any more detail on Dykes. I'm sorry. I told you it's too specific. It's my fault. <laughs> just before you go, Richard, um, just final question. I know we just talk, talked about that and you weren't playing, you know, unfortunately, because you were sent off. But when people talk about the best atmospheres ever at Loftus Road, there's one game that's always get mentioned, and that's the second leg against Oldham. Um, I take it you were there in the ground despite um, not being available. Um, how did you How did you find it? Yeah, I was like I was like a nervous kid, and and then that comes again comes back to what we were talking about at the beginning, just being a fan. You know, the emotion in me to see QPR code from the Premier League. When we had, you know, people I was training with as a schoolboy, people like Simon Barker, um, Dave Bardsley, Sinclair, Andy Impey, uh, Ray Wilkins, you know, my hero, absolute legend of a man. Um, and then to see us go down, see us go down under Ray, see Ray get the sack. So all of these things, players come in not giving a shit. And I'm seeing as a schoolboy, I'm going, nah, this, you know, these guys don't care. Or some of these guys don't care. The, this is the way you need to, need to behave as a pro. I knew the guys that cared 
And then to see it go down to League One. And I remember I was probably one of the only, maybe me and maybe a couple of others were left. After. We had, do you remember we had a huge clear out? And I'm like, wow, we have to rebuild this ourselves. And so, you know, Ollie will go down, I'm sure, in with legend status for, for, for doing that because we were getting trialists from here, there and everywhere. And to manage to build what we did and get to the playoffs and then the year after get promoted, um, it was special. But it was special. Uh, do you know, I just, I'm just so disappointed I couldn't, I couldn't finish it off because I got my, I got my chance just as we were on the, on the drop. Then I got injured, you know, then we went down again. Um, and then I was always fighting with injuries, but to have gone up would have been just the icing on the cake, I think. And that, <clears throat> that atmosphere was just banging, wasn't it, that second leg? Yeah, no, it was. It was. Sorry, I went off piece there. Um, That's yeah, right. I, yeah, no, it's fine. I have my video camera. Like, man, I was just um, immersed in the atmosphere. I was a fan. I had my mates from school. Can you imagine I was 19, 20? Got my mates from school, QPR fans behind me, getting them tickets. I must have get, got about 50 tickets. Paid for all my friends and family to come. Um, and then, you know, I couldn't keep still. Like, what was the score again? Was it 1-1? One, 1-0, one? One nil, Furlong. 0-0, nil, nil, wasn't it? And then it was 1-1 one, one in the first leg, and then uh, one which, which you scored the goal, and then unfortunately got sent off, and then 1-0 in the yeah. second. That's it. I'm biting my nails all the way through the game. I'm trying to video record the atmosphere, the old handheld camcorder. <laughs> and then the last, I think, first scored, and I just went nuts. And then I came out of B block, ran down South Africa Road through the main entrance, right next to the dugouts, and I'm there, and I'm just counting down the seconds, and I'm screaming. Wayne Andrews got sent off, who was a friend of mine, and I'm telling him to fuck off, get off. <laughs> you know? Daisy made a great save near the end, didn't he? Like mm. an absolute world he saved. You know, and, and, and you know, these memories, they're the kind of things, those emotions. I felt like everyone was my brother, even the man, manager, kit man, you know, Wayne, the security guy, you know, everyone, <laughs> everyone. And they're just, they were, the, they were the days when QPR felt like a big family club where we were all connected. Um, Football's like we've had, you know, the times of football have changed, I suppose, over the last 10 years for us, maybe 10, 15 years. But I think that closeness is coming back, that normalcy, I suppose, is coming back, you know. Nice one. Well, Very good. Yeah. We, oh, I was sorry. just going to say, I was saying to you, David, I think gone, we should, Chris. Oh, he's gone. <laughs> He's frozen, frozen in time. Me? I'm here. You're here, I can see. Oh, he's there, he's back. I'm here. Let's, um, that, Richard, that's excellent. Really good to speak to you. Anytime. Good, to, good Anytime. to hear what you're up to. And I know this doesn't come across well on a podcast, but what is that mural behind you? Oh, mate, I've just moved house, right? <laughs> and I've been putting this room at the top of the house, and this is my office, so... <laughs> Look, it's everywhere. So you've got classic loft internet problems. And that is a mural of some sort of black and white street scene or something like that. Right. Any um, painters and decorators out there, give me a call, yeah? You heard it here. (laughs) Any painters and decorators listening to the podcast, get in touch with Richard Langley uh, because he's just moved house and his wallpaper in his loft is a shocker. (laughs) <laughs> thanks Richard Big Man and stay safe and um, hopefully we'll have you in the studio again soon that'd be great cheers Richard thank you cheers Richard take care excellent he's always great brilliant absolutely he's brilliant. always great he's better than right. his wallpaper that's for sure <laughs> but let's, let's, let's go through a few things so Chris you're in another hotel room I'm looking out at like absolute identikit hotel room yeah, and you, you know, I'm in mean, the same because we basically got. <clears throat> well, last week um, we had a big fight with uh, Bentley against Cash, um, uh, which was, which was a great fight, but Bentley got battered. So that was at your call where I'm now. I had two days back home, and I'm back again. <clears throat> the problem is, last week I had like a Rolls Royce of a room with a bath, a kitchen, even a washing machine, um, 
And this time, it, this is proper Alan Partridge. All I've got is one fridge, not even got a microwave. So I'd have preferred it the other way around to have experienced the awful one first and then go, wow. But all the mates I'm with, they're all in brilliant rooms. So there you go. I can't. And you'll stop. You'll stop there until your COVID test comes back. Tomorrow, yeah, basically. Right? Yeah. yeah. So probably about midday. And this week we've got Sonny Edwards fighting for a world title. Uh, might as well plug it. 7 p.m. BT Sport One. We've also got Michael Conlon or Mick, as he's known from Paul's neck of the woods. Um, yeah. So should be should be a good night of boxing. But I have literally seen all the boxing people more than my own kids in the last fortnight, which is a bit sad, really. I'll tell you one thing, though, just not to take it off topic, that Condon fight's going to be some fight, I tell you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, I did an event at the York Hall last year. It was the World Chase Tag Championships. <laughs> really? What, what, Do you know what, what that, that is? No. This Right, look up this sport on YouTube. It's unbelievable. It's called World Chase Tag. No, in the school playground, the, yeah. the game of tag. It's that professionalised as a sport. What? If you if you type that into YouTube, it will take up three hours of your life. Just m- people chasing each other around, and all you have to do is tag someone, and you've won the game. It, but it sounds like it should be terrible, but it's actually fascinating. And it's mainly parkour athletes competing in it, so their technique and stuff is really good. But I, I went to that at the York Hall. Wow, York Hall's a lovely, lovely building, lovely, lovely place. Very it's much weird because so. I've been to your call for years, but it's just weird without fans being in there. Um, yeah, I know what you mean. But um, but yeah, so that's me. I am Alan Partridge in my hotel room. Sh- should we do a quick bit of football? Oh yeah. Before we finish, let's do a quick bit of football. Um, what have I got? We haven't talked about Norwich game. Finney, you're always a, you're always a banker to talk about the. Most recent <laughs> so what did game. you say? You know what I said. <laughs> what I, do you I, think, I, Paul? Luckily, you haven't got a strange accent because that could have gone badly wrong. I think it was just, you know, listen, they're obviously champions, aren't they? So they're going to... But it's a shame because they lost two, I think two or three games or something like that. And it, they seemed to be on the beach and then they came down and, and played really well. And they always do that. They they, they killed us in 76. And they've been killing us ever since in our dreams. And um, it, it's, it's, it was quite a decent game in some ways for Rangers. I mean... I'm not sure he should have played Senny. He looked completely dazed and confused. I, I don't think he was, and clearly he was fit, but it just didn't seem right that he was playing in a in a game that was basically a dead rubber in some ways. And I felt that perhaps we should have kept Joe in nets and, and gave him another week to recover. Because, he, 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 you know, he looked... I mean, I think memory serves he right. He, he nearly handled outside the ball in the fir- outside the area in the first five or ten minutes. So it was kind of one of them you think, oh, Jesus, this is not going to... And he looked like Hannibal Lecter gone wrong. So it was just kind of like, this is not good. But I mean, it's it's an interesting one because it, it, I, I'm kind of disagreeing with Richard a little bit. I, you know, I think whatever way you look at it, Austin has been amazing for us. And I would sign him. And I think he will sign. He's obviously at the end of his time at West Brom. And I think for a decent amount of money, we could snatch him. And it'd be worth doing because you can see the, the, the way that, you know, Dex is playing. I mean, that goal he scored the other week was just superb. And his, his, his confidence is up. He, even when he came on, you know, he just brings something with him. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's it just boosts everyone. And I think, like I remember oh, the oh. the youngsters when Wilkins was with QPR, how he brought Wilkins brought the best out of everyone. And I think we can do that with um with us. But yeah, going back to the game, it was you know what well, we got beat by the better side. They're going up, and um, if that's what you've got to aim at to win this league, we're not a million miles away from it. For being brutally honest, I mean. You know, your man saved that penalty and stuff, and we didn't really do ourselves just as I thought. But we're not a million miles from that, and that, that that's I think a real positive. I mean, so on Austin, Austin will Austin is too expensive for us, right? I don't as, think he on, is. At, hang on, hang on. At Sorry. par, whatever he's earning, he's too expensive for our structure because he's a Premier League player. He will be earning a minimum of. You tell me if you disagree. A minimum of thirty grand a week and the maximum of a lot higher. So at that level, he's too expensive for us. The question is, is he willing to take a cut? Is he willing to take a cut in exchange for being at the club that suits him best? And, and that's the answer to that. It's in t- going to really be entirely up to Austin, isn't it? Because well, we it's, know sorry, by now... I'm, I'm, that... Sorry, Chris. Yeah, no, I was just going to say... Um... Unless you do, you know what what Derby did, and you 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 have him, you know, as, as like a player coach, and you and you you funnel it through that way. 
which I don't. Well, they got someone else to pay for it, Chris. I don't think they... the club. I don't think the club are doing that anymore. I don't think the club will compromise on the way they want to run it. So it will be a case of they can pay him a certain amount, and there won't be any. But we can do it this way. We can do it that way. Surely. I mean, potentially the only thing they might do is pay him a big transfer fee because he'll be on a free transfer in lieu of lower wages. But if it doesn't fit the QPR, I believe the club will walk away from it at this yeah, point. Yeah, and, and I agree with that. <clears throat> my, <clears throat> excuse me, my biggest fear is that, um, like I said before, I mean, the dressing room seems brilliant at the moment. And Richard alluded to that. Um, he's obviously been a big part of that. He, you know, he came on this podcast and told how he's been working with Dykes. <clears throat> that work and, you know, Dykes' confidence is back now. You know, it's the old... The old uh, the old adage, you know, one you just need one to go off your backside into the net, and, and Dykes is on a sparkling run of form. Um, yeah, and I, I and I, I think yeah, Austin's uh, value is as much off the pitch as it, as it is on it. You know, and on it, you know, he was the catalyst. Came on, got that got that second debut goal against Luton, and since then, uh, okay, his form has dipped a little bit, but you know, I mean, you, you take the goals he scored, but basically, you know, we, we were that's all we were missing someone to put the ball in the net. But the only fear would be, like I say, if you if we did go down that road, is is whether you would, you know, you would start having some whispers in the dressing room <clears throat> of how much he was being paid, how much, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So that would be my only fear. But I, I'm with Paul. I would definitely, if, if if we've got any chance at all of signing him, I would get that nailed down as soon as possible. Right. Yeah. Well, that was well, my counter argument. Sorry to that. Oh, sorry, Phil. I just do this quickly. Then look at you. Sorry, it's my fault. I, I I never showed up, and I should. I think with no FFP next season, it's going to be very, very interesting. QPRs are an interesting step in the ladder now. We can we can either throw a little bit of money at it or throw a whole lot. It doesn't really matter because no FFP next season. So that's going to be interesting. I think we will go for it more next season and I think we will invest in someone like Austin. And I think the other people in the dressing room, yes, he will be on more money, but then he's had a longer career. He's been a premiership player. He's, he, he's someone that they can aspire to be. So I don't keep the sport, John, keep it hungry. And they can be a Charlie Austin who can come down and earn that money. So I don't see that being a problem. And I think he loves it, Rangers. Rangers works for him better than any other club. I wouldn't be surprised if he signed. Sorry, Phil. No, I mean, I was, yeah, I mean, I, I don't disagree with anything. I mean, I, that's kind of, kind of the reason I sort of asked that question, Richard. I, I think that Austin's just brought so much. And I think that Dykes does need somebody else on and off the pitch. And that's clearly been the case. I think also, you know, Austin hasn't actually scored that many recently. I mean, he scored, I mean, I'm talking, we're talking short periods of time, right? But mm-hmm. he's, he hasn't been scoring and we've been playing well. And I don't think that's because he's, uh, you know, because we're fine without him. I think it's because he's, he's doing that job. He, he feels to me like the captain. Um, you know, any, anybody else can wear the armband and anyone else can do the toss-up, right? But it feels to me like he's the, he's the influence. He's the person in the dressing room. He's the, he's the, he's the player off the pitch that's having that influence. I mean, you... You, you can't, you know, I mean, I, you don't want to read too much into some things, but I mean, look at the difference between 2020 and 2021. I mean, it's just night and day. Phil, while you're on, because I'm conscious of the fact you've spoken the least so far, so I'm just going to ask a question to you. Um, Adoma, do you, do you think he, he warrants a starting place? I mean, I personally thought he'd be starting last time, or, 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 or do you think it's right to keep bringing him off the bench? Yeah, it's a good question, isn't it? I mean, he's done so well. Um, I mean, I guess the, the sort of follow-up question to that is, is that a right wing back or is that off the, off of Dykes, you know, instead of Chair or instead of Willett? I mean, he's, he's, he's put some lovely balls through. He's, he's made some great assists as well as scoring the goal he scored. Um, I think if he, uh, I don't know, I mean, I think if, he, if, if we could play, if we were playing where we didn't necessarily worry so much about defending, then I think, you know, playing instead of Kaka, instead of Kane is a great opportunity for him. But he, I mean, I think it was on one of the other podcasts when the guys were saying, what does he have to do to get a starting place? Mm-hmm. I mean, he really has, he, he's really done so well. And I think another, you know, I mean, obviously with his ties to the club, with his love of the club, I think that is another big positive of him coming in as well. I mean, I think, you know, there's as much sort of emotional turnaround there too, isn't there? But um, no, I agree with you. I think I think with with some of the ch- some of the teams that we've put out towards the end of this season, try and Thomas, try and Dykes not playing Austin when you know he's back from the red card. You, you do feel that Adoma could could do with a go, can can he really? Yeah, that that was my my thought, and and I think yeah, right wing back, like you said, um, yeah, yeah, as as you pointed out, he is obviously better going forward than maybe defending, but I I. I 
you know, I thought he had a decent game. You know, they, they, I think right, I'm right in saying the only game he started this season. Um, I might be wrong there. Um, um, when he, a couple of weeks ago, um, and and I was quite surprised he didn't start. But it's nitpicking really because we've done so well this second half of the season, particularly. It's almost like you're trying to find things to talk about. Whereas, uh, you know, it's the old, another old cliche, but where we were at Christmas, you know, fighting to, you know, not drop into the relegation places, where we are now thinking, God, if we'd had three wins more, we could have been the playoffs, then I'd have snapped your arm off. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's a weird one, though, because at the end of the day, you're looking at, like, Thomas, you're looking at Willock, you're looking at um, Adoma. They're much better now. The team's doing better. It's funny how everyone's turned the corner because... It's, I've always said this, when you're losing, people go missing. I'm not saying they were, by the way. I'm just saying people, you know, you, you, your hamstrings, it feels a bit sore, your knees a bit crocky. You're not really into it. But when the team starts winning more and the confidence starts getting uh, and, and higher and higher, we play better. And I think definitely with, with these players that we brought in the summer, everyone's going, oh, Jesus, like Dags and on and on. They're not going to do it. Now you look at it, you've got options. And we haven't had options like this for a long time. We can actually look at, I mean, the person I think the Doma. He hasn't got the legs, but what he has got, he has that ability that Wilkins had of picking a pass 30, 40 yards so the ball could be his legs in some where's ways. Your ev- where's your evidence for saying that he hasn't got the legs apart from you know his age? Because I haven't seen well, anything yeah, okay. that suggests he's... No, no, I'm not, I'm not attacking you, but what I'm saying... No, no, is, no, that's fair. Point. This, 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 this whole the narrative around him is, oh, he can only have 20 minutes here and there. Because that's what Warburton's given him. But I haven't seen anything in particular to suggest that he can't play the 90. It's it, like, I think you just said, Chris, it's not like he started that many games. He's got more assists than anyone. And mm. he has to have played the least amount of times. He's got five assists, which the next next in line is Ilias Chair on four. And I, I wouldn't even know what the ratio is between of game time between a doma and chair, but it's it's very significantly... Be day and night. Be exactly. day and night. But you know what? Exactly. You, you, you presu- I mean, I'm presuming that because he's not being played. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So you're presuming that they see something in training and, and, and every day that we don't, but you're not going to get fitter by not playing either. So it's a, it's an interesting one. But yeah, but even so, he, he, he does deserve more time. But I think he's he's happy with the role he's got. It's going to be interesting next season because I think him, Thomas and, and Willett will push out. And I think... Ilias Cher was so nice to see the other day. He was absolutely devastated to be taken off the pitch. And he's got so much to give, I think. And next season is a massive season for him. So, yeah, I'm, do you know what? I'm allowing myself to be positive. And I know in six months' time, I'll be putting what little left I've got on my head. And we'll probably go, that Jesus Christ is awful again. But so much more positive than Christmas Day. This is, this is good. This is why you're good at football. Because it's the hope that kills you. Before the R's end, I was going to ask you one. I was going to ask you a question before the before um, we sort of move on to that, which is: we're at Player of the Year time, only a couple of games left. Who are your votes for Player of the Year? And we'll go to the best loft on this podcast by some considerable way. Which it's a lovely Phil, loft, because, actually. I mean, you you absolutely you embarrassed Langley with your loft, Phil. Your loft is very beautifully done out, and Langley's was not, and it was all getting a bit awkward because he could see your loft and how nicely it's done uh, and, and all the rest of it. I was, I was, I was wishing that I'd move my Bobby Zamora picture around before we started the <laughs> program, but I, I, I forgot. But um, amazing, mate. To be honest, I'm loft for words. Anyway, sorry. Very good. <laughs> Please stop, Christopher. So, so player of the season is guys tricky, isn't it? I mean, I guess I, I mean my the shortlist for me would be Dieng. I mean, again, you know, if you look at, I mean, we talk about points that we've missed this season that we could have pushed on with games like Birmingham and those sorts of games where we really should have seen him out. But there's been games where he's kept us in. Um, it goes back, you know, it reminds me of the season when you know Paddy Kenny was 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 fantastic, and you know when we got promoted and. A lot of that, a lot of our success that year was, I thought, was down to Kenny and the, the clean sheets that he kept. And I think that Dieng has been absolutely phenomenal, considering that he wasn't even on the in the on the bench last season. Um, and then Dickie's been fantastic, and of course, and of course, Dy- and Dykes has just worked so bloody hard. I mean, I, I don't, you know, all that time through last se- last year when things weren't going for him, his shoulders didn't drop. 
and I think he's, you know, I think he he deserves he deserves the medal for, for the trial medal. You know, he's a ten out of ten for effort. So I don't know, but I think I think of those three, I think I would have to go with Dieng just because of just because of what what a what a delight it's been to see him come through and and, and play like that. Chris, oh well, I mean, yeah, I I, I guess for four seasons it's been 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 uh, between Dieng and Dicky, although. Um, Special mention to Barbe, who's the only player in the whole championship who's played every minute yeah. of, of every single game. Which you know, I know he's a bit marmite for some people, but um, I think he's been I think he's been pretty decent, um, especially again second half of the season. So, oh, God, if you had a gun to my head, oh, I don't know. I'm, I'd probably go Dicky. I think I'd probably go Dicky. I think it's something we've been missing for a long time. Uh, and at the start of the season, we were just um, you know, there's mention of his pay, lack of pace, which cost us a couple of goals maybe early on. But um, since then, I, I, you know, it's very difficult to fault him. I just think, you know, the, the building of a decent side requires a good spine. Um, and and we, we, we've had that the second half of the season. Again, honourable mentions for Austin uh, and Johansson. If there was a, a, you know, it was a half-season sign-in, I think it would be between those two. Um, but you can't really give uh, a player of the season to a player who's only been there. A few months, so yeah, I'd go for Dicky. Um, and if we're throwing it out to young player, I'd probably go. I'd probably go chair again. Willock uh, has done well the last few games, and if it was, you know, <clears throat> the last few games, it probably Willock. But overall, I think chair. I think you know sometimes he gets slated, which is which amazes me. And I think maybe uh, um, the gaffer was guilty of maybe make, making him play too many games in a row, but I think overall he's come on leaps and bounds. So, yeah, they, they would be my two. Very good. I thought it was striking how Langley kept coming back to Chair and Dickey as kind of our two best players, as the players who have made the most impact. I mean, maybe it's because he hasn't seen many games, but I didn't get that impression from him. And he's obviously a very knowledgeable guy and he kept mentioning those two above sort of everyone else. So, yeah, I thought that was that was quite interesting. Paul, who's your player of the season? Well, I'll give it to Sunny Diang because I think it's just been that that goalkeeping position has been such a flipping nightmare for a few seasons for various reasons, and I think he's also improved immensely. I don't know, you know, obviously with a Doncaster, he was on the bench, and just the way he comes across is he's fearless. He, he he's not scared of anything, and he's been solid. I mean. It's always a worry when your goalkeeper is your best player, but I don't think that's been the case with him. I think he's been a best player because he, he's just been outstanding every game, closely followed by Dickie, who's been brilliant. But it's funny, if we're doing it from January, it'd be really interesting because you'd be looking at Wallace, who has just yeah. turned the corner fantastically. You, you'd, be, you'd be looking at Willock, who's when he's been on fire, is unplayable at times. You look at um, what Austin brings and does and how he acts on and off the pitch. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd give it to Diang. But I've, I think um, Dickie's first season with this has been one of the best debut seasons of a player I can remember for a long time. Um, young player, I would say, I would, I would be inclined to say, sure. But I think if Willock had been playing more, he would have probably pushed him a lot harder and, and, and come through that. But bloody hell, it's Johansson as well. Like Jesus, I mean, what a signing! I mean. This is this is positivity. I mean, before you're thinking player of the season, you're thinking, God, can you have a referee as a flipping player? Um, because of the, you, you wouldn't be wanting to pick any of these players sometimes because they were so poor at, at the start of the season. And now it's just fantastic. We can sit down, we can look at all these players. And I don't know why I said that by the referee. That was completely made no sense whatsoever. And I'm embarrassed. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm 100% with you. I, was, I think in the past, there have been like joke names put forward, you know, and, and players who haven't are in the squad who haven't actually played a single game because there was such a lack of choice and because everyone was so disillusioned. And, and exactly what you said, if we'd had a player, if the player of the year had started in January, there'd probably be seven names on the list to pick, mm. which is, which is Absolutely. brilliant. And well, also Barbados to serve David or Chris, I think it was Chris, Cameron, but you both sound so similar to me, um, uh -huh. your accents and that. But I think that Barbe, his, his turnaround has been amazing to be fair. He, he was slaughtered. I don't think he is. I think with my mate is a Brentford fan, bless him. He's, he's all right apart from that. And he was devastated when Barbe left. And I couldn't see it for a while. But now we're seeing, I think, a much better player. And we can see now why he came to QPR or why we signed him, I should say. I'm, um, 
I'm no different really to any of you. I, I think it's a great shout, Paul, that if it was from January, it's slightly different because I'm with you, Johansson, uh, the likes of Johansson I think, uh, 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 have made a massive difference. I would give it to Dieng, but I agree throughout the season as Dickie and Dieng. I think there is only one player who has changed the season like no other. Doesn't quite qualify for player of the season, I suppose, because he, he's not been here for a lot of it. But to me, there is no doubt the absolute catalyst for change in January was Charlie Austin. 100%. 100%. It's, yeah. it's worked out perfectly. Whatever happens next, it, work, it has worked out perfectly. And all the people who said it wouldn't work out, not, I think I, 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 I wasn't quite sure about it. Well, we've all been wrong because it's been a brilliant... And, and, the, and the best thing is he hasn't tarnished his legacy. That's what you always think. You always fear yeah. a player comes back and that, you know, it, it's you don't want a player who you've adored and who your kids adored to, to leave, you know, leave a bad taste in the mouth. I, I, I personally didn't think he, he would. I was, I, I, I've been that excited since my kids were born when I, when I, um, when I knew that he was joining us again. But yeah, and, I, and I, I do hope, I do really hope that he can do it next season. But if we can't do it, I, I understand the reasons. It's funny um, you say that, Chris, because I always think that when you're missing for a few weeks in the podcast, I always worry that you're going to come back and tie your legacy. And every time you come yeah. back, you just, you just <laughs> and, build and, and build and, and build. And yeah. Exactly. You never do. I was so right, Vinny. Um, <laughs> but I, I was going to move on to the R's end and I saw Chris. Well, we are moving on to the R's end, but Chris, you're poised with your phone. Which oh, no, I wasn't. No, I was just looking at it. You've got a whole bunch of notes on it. I, I was just you go first? I was just looking at it to remember what my R's end was. And I, now I've just remembered especially for Finney this one is which will extend his even longer Finney do you watch Line of Duty uh, no uh, 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 don't talk about it please I'm not, not going to tell you what's it's not a spoiler it's not a spoiler okay do you watch Line of Duty Paul no ah Willie can you just say Mother of God <laughs> Mother of God <laughs> with a bit more passion Mother of God so, well you say that I thought that was quite passionate Mother of God that's better. Mm. And the, the say, second thing, with, oh. can you say Jesus, Mary, Joseph, and the wee donkey? Jesus, Mary, Joseph, and the wee donkey. And can I more, throw in the third Jesus, one? Jesus, Mary, Joseph, and the wee donkey. Yeah, but you did it in Southern Irish accent, though. <laughs> okay. Okay. This is just in more than ice. The Jesus, Mary, Joseph, and the wee donkey. No, Jesus, Mary, Joseph, and the wee donkey. Can, can I throw in a third one? Can you say we're sucking diesel now? Well... <laughs> All right, we're so. <laughs> this yeah. podcast no, no, let's, is sucking let's diesel. Stop, let's stop poking the guy from Northern <laughs> Ireland. I think. I mean, I think. I think to be fair, I think I'm being stereotyped here, but I actually I haven't watched it, but I've read his quotes in the paper, and I think it's brilliant that someone. But he hasn't mentioned Binlid yet. I mean, what's wrong? <laughs> he's got to. He's got to mention Binlid before the end of this this whole run, because otherwise his Belfast credentials are just tarnished. Even oh. though I think he's from Minnesillan. Far from being victimised, Paul, it, it, it's more. I mean, it's it, it's an honour to have victimized. someone. It's an honour to have someone from uh, from his great country on the podcast who can uh, uh, who can uh, make us laugh with his sayings all over again. But when you get them, let me know. Okay. Go on, Chris. Did you have a football related answer? <laughs> no, I didn't. No, I, okay. no, I didn't. That was it. That was it. I did have one, but I thought that was more important. So By the way, it. should I watch Land of Duty? Is it worth going yes. back it to is. start? You need yes. to watch it from the yes. start, though. So okay. you need, yes, there's six it's very, very good. I'll tell you what I have been watching, and it's interesting. I've been watching the Irregulars with Henry Lloyd Hughes on it. Oh yeah, brother of Flo. Brother yeah, of yeah. Flo, regular on the podcast. Yeah, oh, good. very good. I recommend it. Um, I'll jump in then. Very quickly, some confusing reports this week from a national newspaper. Day one was Mark Warburton is leaving and set to take up a technical role at the FA. That was quickly taken down and replaced with an article about how he is signing a contract with QPR. So not the greatest, a new contract, not the greatest journalism. I sincerely hope the second story is true. And a sort of regular slot now for us saying, well done, Mark Warburton. I know how football fans are. I know we will surely come back to why he's got to go at some point if we're on a bad run. But just another hat tip from me. What a fantastic job. Wasn't that the same newspaper, though, that said that we were going to get five five 5,000 points, end up in the National League and be called something different by the end of it? So they, 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 they have a history of getting it things is. wrong. It is. 
But but long may he be here. Is that is that? I take it that's your dog, Paul. Yeah, he, he, he likes to make his podcast announcement every week because otherwise he feels left out and he's, feels he's, quite lonely. He's doing his R's end. His, 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 uh, I'm, I'm just, yeah, and his favourite player is um, Dudu. <laughs> okay, yours. I mean, you, go on, Paul, you go. Well, mine's kind of a strange one in, in that I was, I don't know what you guys felt, David and Chris felt, but all this stuff, you know when all this stuff is breaking about, all these clubs breaking away from things and doing their own thing, I was like, thank God we're not in the Premier League anymore because no doubt that with our legacy in that Premier League, we'd have probably signed up for something we could never join anyway. And we'd have been just laughed at. And it's, it's nice to be away from that circus. And I was kind of thinking that I couldn't care less if the old buggered off and played on Mars, to be honest with you, because it's, it's just, uh, to people like us, it's, it's laughable watching all these people get their knickers in a twist about this. And if only we fought racism in football with the same passion, it'd be out in a week. Um, and that, that that's quite sad in some ways. But you know what? I just all these armchair fans that are just losing it. I mean, and you look at Arsenal fans, and because I live in North London, like you, you guys, well, certainly these three. Don't know where you live, Phil. Sorry. Um, and they kind of Probably like all these. Loft. Yes, <laughs> he lives in his loft. Yeah, he lives <laughs> in Richard Langley's loft. Just the voice. He's yeah. a voice from the loft, and they're kind of again putting all their hopes in this bill. You know, I remember thinking the same thing when Chris Wright joined QPR. Took us over. You got Jesus Christ. We got a fan at the helm. It's going to be brilliant. It's going to be fantastic. It was utter chaos, carnage, and shite. Um, so be careful what you wish for Premiership fans. But for us, it's business as usual. And I've got to say, um, Lee Hughes was on radio and TV, and he came across very well actually. And I don't normally say that about our board members because they, they tend to make an arse of themselves. But he came across very well. Spoke a lot of sense. And it's a shame in some respects because I thought for once. The Football League and other people outside the big six had a chance to change football forever and have more of a say. And I just hope we don't lose that momentum and we somehow reclaim the game from these big six, which will basically, they will bugger off at some point and do their own thing. They just they just timed it badly. And um, I just hope that we can we could have more of a say in the championship and the money's, you know, put down the league fairly because it's interesting. Sorry to go off on a tangent. It doesn't involve QPR. But all the money that's been saved in parachute payments is going back into the Premier League rather than being helped through the league. I was going to say that. That shows you there was a 48-hour period of everybody pretending that they believe in this football community. Um, But they only said that because they weren't involved. The Crystal Palaces and the West Hams and the Evertons. As soon as they're actually tested, which a week later they got their £80 back, and are they passing it on to clubs below them who need it? Are they saying, I wasn't expecting this money, so it can probably do some more good than just going straight into our coffers? Of course they're not. So it, it just, for me, it just showed it up for what it is. Really. Yeah. But, it, but it's nice as well that because the, the sentiment's lovely that we're, we're creating a game for the country again and for the people and we're going to reclaim it. But the truth is that the, the, the premiership is a million miles away from well, people like us who go up and down the country every week and, and that there. And it's just, it's just, it was a funny soap opera, but it's not funny because David quite rightly said, nothing ever changes. The needle returns to the start of the song and then we all sing along like before, as the song once said. And that's what we're doing. And it's a shame because it was a real chance to change football. Delamitri. My- did you just do Delamitri? <laughs> I did. I did indeed. Okay. I'm embarrassing. I like but my it. last, like- my last, my last R's end is basically, I think it's been brilliant that we've managed to keep this podcast going. And everyone's been listening to it. People are still sponsoring it. We haven't been near a ground. Well, been to two games, obviously, when we could do. And i just like to thank everyone for sticking with us and helping us through this pandemic because we have needed this as much as the people who have listened to it. So thank you guys for helping us say things and do things and be part of something. And we couldn't do it without you. So thank you. Indeed. Uh, Phil, what's your final point? Well, I... Chris kind of um, mentioned it already, really. I was going to mention Barbe, that point that he played every game, every minute of every game. I think he's the only championship player to play that, I think I saw this week. Yeah. Um, and, and like exactly as you said, Chris, really, I mean, he hasn't been everybody's cup of tea. And last season, I mean, we, he, he made us all wonder from time to time. But, I mean, that's an incredible achievement, isn't it? And that back five now, I mean, who, who would... Who would pick a different formation, and who would pick it? Who would pick anyone else in that place? I mean, Todd, I think Todd Kane. Todd Kane would pick a different he, formation. He, he might, yes. Yeah, but he'd be too busy playing for Real Madrid at the time, David. Yeah. So well, I don't think so. So, so yeah. Well, that, I was going to ask you. So, are Real Madrid still in the Super League? Is that are they still in it? 
I'm not sure. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm not sure, Phil. I think I they think might be playing I think themselves. It's be El Clasico every other week. So you know, so it's Real Madrid at home one week, then Barcelona at home uh, for the whole season, which would be great. Yeah, and I think given we were top team in London in 1992-93, I think we do also qualify. I think somewhere in the small print. So maybe <laughs> I think we could... we should qualify, Phil, for just being so bloody cool. <laughs> exactly. But by the way, it's, it's, it's interesting, Phil, you say it, but wasn't it also interesting that in 1998 we relegated Man City to the third tier of English football? Well, that's right. Funny how things turn around, isn't it? Well, Man City and Chelsea, they were sort of boing-boing clubs, weren't they? They were yo-yo clubs all through the 90s, really. Both of them mm. went up and down every, every yeah. week. Um, I, used to, I used to be in Manchester for a while. And I used to go to Main Road sometimes in the old days and... It was, I mean, there was eight goals every game and you never know who would score them. It was, it was absolutely comical, but um, uh, things change, don't they? And now, I, was and now also, they... I was also in Manchester and in 1999, I went to their FA Cup first round home game against Halifax because they were in League Two. Yeah. And that was what, 20 years ago, 21 years ago. So if, the point you're making is that football, nothing stays the same in football. It's true. So, so in 20 years' time, those, that big six may not be that big six. Absolutely. Well, yeah, the, the drawbridge got pulled up with the financial play, didn't it? But we'll, we'll see. Hopefully, um, there'll be chance for a bit of sunlight in for other teams at some point. But Bill, how do you think we will get on against Stoke City on Saturday? I'm, I'm pretty positive. I think we, we tend to win after we've lost. Um, yes, that's the way it goes this season. So I think I think it'll be two 0 I think we're uh, we'll be back. We'll be back in the game. Uh, I'm. I was going to say two 0 so I will say two 0 Finney, oh, I, I think. I know he'll say. Yeah, go on. No, no, come on. Sucking diesel, son. Sucking diesel. I like it. That's good. <laughs> that's good. That's good. That's um, good. Very no, good. Uh, uh, Jesus, Mary, and the wee donkey, always known as Steve Morrow. Um, <laughs> Yes, the, the I think we'll do them big time. I think there's going to be Stoke are dreadful. They're awful. Um, and yeah, I think I think we'll um, we'll beat them three or four. I think they, 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 everyone's playing for their places, and it's good to see them. We'll carry it on. And yep, looking forward to that one. Stick, stick four or five past them. Stick a whole load past Luton, and um, end the season on a massive high. Who does? Christopher. Um, two one. I think we'll win two one. Killjoy. Uh, well, it, 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 it's. I'm Where are they scoring, Chris? Where's their goal coming from? Where are they going to get it from? Come on, tell me. All right, I don't know. I'm, 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 I'm desperate to. Um, <laughs> I'm desperate for our goal difference to finish on like above naught, but I, I just can't see it happening. Uh, very okay. good, Chris, Chris. I sincerely hope your COVID test comes back as it should, and you can get out into the world tomorrow. I hope in so, In the meantime, mate. enjoy your room service. Thank you very much. What, what are you doing to pass the time by yourself, Chris, in the hotel room? <laughs> Talking to you lot. <laughs> <laughs> after, um, after we've gone off air, um, I'm, you, you're here until I go to bed. Is that all right? <laughs> um, all right. I've never been so scared in my whole life. <laughs> Chaps, thank you. Um, good podcast. And, yeah, I think we've got two left, and then that's it. For the summer. Oh, yep. We'll see. All right. Uh, Phil, yeah. thank you for joining us. Guys, it'd be brilliant, Phil. You. Thank you. Thank you. As real, always. Real pleasure. Real, real oh, pleasure. Apologies for the fire alarm. After praising my lost loft, we uh, nearly burnt it down. So uh, that's not. <laughs> I, I, I apologize for that. The loft has endured. Um, yeah, this has been the Open All Ours, the QPR podcast. Thank you very much for listening. QPR. This one right